so with Bad Bunny, um, uh, we were backstage at Coachella, which was like a really amazing moment just to see, like, you know, the first Latino mm. to ever headline in Coachella's 30 year history. So dope. Um, and then we met up with him, like, I want to say like four days later when he was shooting the video for Where She Goes mm -hmm. um, and got to spend kind of like the day with him kind of like on and off. Um, even though it was a really hectic day, he was shooting mm -hmm. like in the desert, there was like desert storms and he was like oh out there God. like trying to like, you know, look cool for this video. And it was just yeah. a really, really intense, he was like battling the element. Oh my gracious. Even back in high school, Jennifer inspired more than What's going on? Welcome to Growing Up Latina. I am your host, Ali V, and today I have senior music editor at Rolling Stone, Jalisa Lopez. Hi, thank you for having me. No, my phone is not ringing before. No! Like, what is this? <laughs> There's so many obstacles, right? So like, I got sick, the cameras aren't rolling, the phone. I, I know, before we started talking, the cameras weren't rolling. <laughs> then you got sick, and I'm like, oh my God. So many things. We're welcome, gonna make it happen. welcome, welcome. We're going to make it happen. Thank How you so are much. you? How are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm feeling better. Okay, good, <laughs> good. So let's get into it. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so Jalisa, if you took the full body of work that you've produced for the last 10 years Ooh. and then the work that you're going to produce in the next 10 years and you had to summarize that work mm -hmm. and the mission and why you do it, mm -hmm. what would you say? Um, whew, and uh, why it matters more importantly. Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, I, I've, I've been wanting to be a journalist since I was like a, like a little kid. You know, I've been, I've been writing since I was 15 years old. I, I always um, wanted to write um, feature stories and magazine stories. Um, and I feel like as I've kind of gone through this career, what became really important to me was to include my own culture into that so I think if we're talking about like what I've done in the past and what I want to do in the future I think it's it's I want to continue to tell stories um especially ones that um kind of portray the realities of what it's like to be Latino and what it means to be Latino um in so many different ways um I don't know that that means that every story has to be a positive story I think I want them to be I want my work to be complex and to um, kind of shed light on like how, you know, all the different facets of this experience mm -hmm. um, and to keep uh, finding ways to get Latinos in, in the pages of magazines and the pages of newspapers as much as I can. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Nice. Um, and my family... Um, you know, my, my family is uh, originally from Nicaragua. They mm -hmm. came here um, in the 80s. Um, they were undocumented for, for a while. Um, and I have a really big family as well. So, like, my whole family was kind of in the DMV area. Then we moved to Silver Spring, which is just outside of, of D.C. 
Um, and like our whole family was there. Like my mom is one of nine kids. My mom, my dad is one of 13. Oh, you so have it's like a, a big, big family. <laughs> it's wow. a big family. I have like 50 cousins and like they were oh all sort God. of like in the area. So. And you have brothers and sisters and. I'm one of five. I'm the middle okay. of five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Thanksgiving, what was that like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> um, no, but that, that's, that's the crazy thing. Like, yeah, like holidays, not even holidays, but like every weekend we would spend like at my grandmother's house and, uh, you know, with my grandfather. And um, I feel like my family, like, because, you know, I can only imagine like the, the difficulty, right, of like, coming here and not speaking the language mm -hmm. and and having to like you know find your your way kind of and so the people that they relied on were family so like mm -hmm. I really grew up with that like we weren't like close to our neighbors like we didn't really like my family didn't really have like friends right. you know around town like the the people that we hung out with were were family members and, right like, the people like my friends I always felt like were like my cousins and um, I always say that too yeah and it's so funny because my cousin I always say you're my cousin, but you're also my friend mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. your family, like for us, it's like they are your friends. Those are the people yeah. that you hang out with. Those are like the people that you do everything. But you go out to the club with your cousins. You yeah, know what I exactly. Mean? My first club experiences were with my cousins. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. And so, so, but you grow up with that, right? Of like, yeah. Um, I think it is a little bit different than, you know, somebody who maybe has like, um, a smaller family who kind of has to like create you know and, and like find bonds with people and, and around them but like with us it was like well everybody's here already yeah. <laughs> so you better like yeah uh connect um so what are yeah. what are some of the memories that you remember for, particularly from la sala like the sala <laughs> memories like what was that like what was the vibe what kind of music were you guys listening yeah. to what were the novelas you had? Oh my goodness, the novelas. Um, definitely like a big novela family. Also like a big like news family. Like Primer Impacto I felt like yes. was always on. I feel like we were always like, um, I actually don't have a TV now because like I'm a little bit scarred just because it was always on in, yeah. in, in La Sala. I'm the same way. Um, and I'm like, now I kind of need it to be to be quiet. Like you appreciate silence. Exactly. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of an introvert too. So I'm always like, if it's too noisy, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, we had we just had a really, really big family. Um, and, you know, at, I think in my in my immediate family, you know, I had um, uh, I'm really, really close to both of my parents. And, and so much of I feel like w what I do is because I recognize kind of the journey that they were on and like the sacrifices that they made. And, uh, you know, when we did have, you know, the, the sala time, a lot of times it was like, you know, my dad would be my my dad uh worked like construction and handyman services uh my mom cleaned houses for a lot of my childhood so like those are really physical jobs right. it's like a lot of physical labor so when you go to la sala like that's your time to relax and to chill and to like you know let the body rest um and so it, it was like a lot of telenovelas um mine's was la supadora la supadora oh, i was just God. about to say that. <laughs> That was my novela. <laughs> we were obsessed Maria with that del Barrio, one. Maria like, del Barrio, Marimar. Um, the crazy thing is I interviewed Talia recently and it was like such like a mind-blowing thing oh to be like, you were in my living room. Like you were, right. you know, like this this like really important part of like these like day-to-day -day routines that you have like with your with your family and, and, yeah. and as a kid. 
Um, and then in terms of the music, like my 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 dad is like a big like rockhead. Like he loved like American rock, and he jokes a lot that that's like how he learned English. Porque mm. like con la música, like you know, he yeah. would like kind of like learn the learn the words a little bit mm -hmm. and maybe mess it up here and there. <laughs> um, but they also like listen to like a lot of like you know my my grandfather listened to like a lot of like old boleros. He loved like Alfredo Sadel and like a lot of sort of more of the classics. Um, and then like at the family parties, it was always like a lot of, I don't know, Nicaraguans listen to a lot of salsa, like yeah. a lot of merengue, Carlos Vives, you know, kind of like all the, the, the mainstream stuff. And where did um, you fall in line? Like what, what did you gravitate more towards? Was it like, what kind of, what genre of music? Did I you... always, I mean, I feel like to me, what was interesting, and I feel like when you grow up in the U.S. Like, to me, my family felt, like, very, very Nicaraguan still. And again, it's, I think, because of a lot of that. Like, I think, right. you know, when they when they first came here, they didn't speak the language. Their friends were their family. Like, mm -hmm. they built this little Nicaraguan nucleus right yeah. where they were. Um, so I think when you're, like, a teenager and stuff, like, you kind of, like, want to gravitate toward other stuff. I listen right. to, you know, like, a lot of, like, rock and indie music. My brothers were super into hip-hop um, and, like, a lot of American music. But for me, like... Anytime I felt like I would go back and like listen to the music that I grew up with, like it felt like mine. And I think mm. especially when you're navigating two cultures and like, you know, when you're at school and you feel like you don't like fit in yeah. and everybody around you is like, you know, like you're like the only Latina in there. I feel like you gravitate back to those things that like maybe you rejected at one point because they feel like home and like they feel like familiar to you. So I would say that it was always like that that mix, right, of like you know trying to like figure out and navigate the american stuff because it mm -hmm. it didn't feel like my family was very americanized and i felt like i kind of had to figure it out yeah but then like for comfort going back to 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 the music that we listened to like as a as a family um and then i think as i got older like what became interesting is that i kind of found um i kind of wanted to like merge the two like i was like okay so like i'm discovering this like weird indie music and indie rock in the American world. And I remember I went to a concert when I was like 15 years old and I saw this, um, this singer from Argentina named Juana Molina, who's like super weird mm -hmm. and experimental. And, yeah. you know, she, um, she does like a lot of like, almost like, you know, like performance art kind of. And I was like, okay, I was like, so like, this does exist in, right. in the Latino world. Like, how do I find, how do I find more of this? And then that's also kind of, I think, where I became interested in sort of that discovery piece of, like, figuring out what else is, is happening. Yeah. That's, wow, that's really good. <laughs> I, and because D.C. has, like, a lot of, like, um, like clubs and stuff where, yeah. like, you can go to, like, free shows or, like, mm -hmm. underage shows. Um, what was school like for you? Like, what was that environment? What did it feel like? Yeah. Were you... Did you have a lot of friends in school? Like, what was that yeah, dynamic? I, I went to a really big high school. My, my okay. graduating class was, like, 700 people. What? Um, yeah. And that was what? just, like, my, like, the the, the grade. Um, again, like, I think, you know, I, I think I did have a lot of friends. I had a lot of the people that I hung out with in high school were, like, all Latinas. Like, we all, like, kind of, like, gravitated toward each other and, like, found, like, our little group. Yeah. Um, but I think, too, you know, one thing for me that was really challenging about high school was that I think because my because my family, you know, had come here, I think they had like struggled to get here. They were undocumented for a while. 
they almost grew up with this like crazy fear of like everything you know like they were they wouldn't let me yeah. do anything oh yeah so I had Sounds like, like a my super, childhood yeah <laughs> yes. but it's, I was like super super sheltered like yeah so like maybe I don't know like I, like I you always, couldn't have your friends sleeping exactly. over oh my god you couldn't sleep over crazy yeah. like <laughs> yeah no sleepovers um and you know in high school too and I think especially like American high school is like the like high school parties yeah. and like you know like homecoming and did proms. you go to prom I did go to prom okay. um okay with so like friends good. though so okay. it was like very like como todo Tapado, like, yeah. Did you go to like um, senior trips or anything? No, yeah, no I wasn't allowed to go to Beach Week. I didn't do, <laughs> yeah, I didn't do any didn't of do that. My either. parents were so strict. Um, but but I don't know. Do you think about that? Like, because like you're like maybe like I would have been like more outgoing, or maybe you know it would have been different if like I had been allowed to do those things. But you know what? I feel like what would have been different for me, and I'm grateful that I had this experience growing up. Um, we didn't have phones. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. if I would have had a phone. Back Definitely. then, oh, I feel like I would have been disconnected yeah. from my family. I wouldn't identify any roots or just any culture, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that would have been the only difference for me. Yeah. Because the TV is fine when you're growing up and it's like, you know, that's a family thing. But if you have a phone and oh, social yeah. media. You're just like. Because it's like at that point, it's like, OK, mommy, you don't want to let me go out. Cool. But I'm going to be on social media, yeah. you know, so it's like. I think that's the only thing that I'm I'm really grateful that we didn't have phones. I mean, we had yeah. phones, but we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, yeah. I feel yeah. like I had like a Nokia, like one of the brick yeah. phones at some point yeah. when I was a teenager, but it wasn't the same. I mean, it's not the same. Yeah. I, I don't feel like social media had like touched down the same way. No, so. no. I remember when I had AOL dial up. I remember when I would speak to my friends on the phone, my mom would literally be listening on the other line. I'm like, mom. <laughs> She's like, Alexandra. I'm like, yo, really? Like, this is so disrespectful. So those are, those are like some of the memories that I remember. When I was, you know, kind of discovering you and doing my research, like I told you, I only do research up until a certain point. <laughs> I wonder, I was like, I wonder if me interviewing her would feel weird. Mm -hmm. Because you're on this, you're on my side. Oh my god! All the obstacles. Oh my god! Oh my god! More <laughs> obstacles. My dad calling me. He's like, I oh felt my. my he's like, he probably felt his ear. Like, yeah, it was <laughs> um, but I'm like, does it feel weird to you, like someone interviewing you? Yes, it does. Yes, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like so much. Um, I don't know. Like again, like I was saying, like I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person. I'm pretty shy. Um, and that makes like sometimes the job challenging because like yeah. I feel like you're thrown into situations where like you have to like open up and like be like extroverted and like yeah. throw yourself out there. Um, but it is easy in that like I think I'm like more of an observer and like I like asking questions. And then when people turn around on me, I'm always like, ah. Um, so yeah. it is. But did you know that you? Well, let's let's really take it back. What was your first job? My very, very first yeah, job. Yeah, was that? I started working, I think, when I was like 14 or 15 at a coffee shop, um, at a like a sandwich shop called Everyday Gourmet, <laughs> 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 making like coffee for people. Um, and then um, when I was a little bit older, um, a guy who uh, my mom cleaned houses for gave me like an internship at a law firm to like save money like before college. Okay. Um, so I was like filing papers. And stuff. Um, 
And like the whole time that I was there, I remember like my parents were like, ah, like they were like using that. It's like, do you want to be a lawyer? Yeah. But like, I think I like, knew, <laughs> I was like locked in. Like I knew that yeah. I knew that I wanted to be a writer, like from the time, like I said, that like I, I was like, you know, I, I took my first journalism class in high school and I was like, did sold. you have journals growing up? Did you have like a diary? Did you I have? I have always had diaries. I've always kept diaries. I think the only thing that's like a little bit, um, different in my experience was so many you know once I kind of started going down this route of like okay I want to be a journalist I want to do this I felt like everybody else that wanted to be a journalist first of all like it felt like they were all white and it felt like they had all grown up like I remember like one girl in my high school her dad was a really really big like famous uh writer for uh the Washington Post and if they were like, you know, we get like seven newspapers delivered to our house every day and we read them every morning. That was like non-existent at my right. house. Like, you know, my parents didn't really like read in English. Like we watched, like I was saying, Primer Impacto. Yeah. And I remember almost having like that question of like, oh, like, can I do this? Like, I didn't grow up this way. Like, I don't have the same understanding of journalism in the same way. Like, I didn't grow up reading, you know, like all of these like columnists and like, Writers well, that they were talking about weren't my references. But that's what I was going to ask you. Like, first of all, the word journalism. Where did you first hear that word? Like, how did you know that this is what I want to do and this is what it's yeah. called? I always loved reading. And like, I, for a long time, I thought I wanted to write fiction. But then mm. I took a class in high school and I, this, they were like, you know, this this whole job is like you get to go to people and like ask them about their experiences and like yeah. be able to like write you know and I think the writing part for me was always it's still the most important part of like trying to figure out like creative ways to to share that story and to, to amplify whatever message that they have um but I think for a long time I was just like too scared I was like I don't think that I can I can yeah. do that like there's I didn't know any you didn't see it. I didn't see yeah. it. Like, I didn't see it. Didn't I didn't, it. you know, it, it's not, my parents, like, didn't, like, know any journalists. They weren't journalists. And it right. seemed like something so, like, um, I don't know. It almost seemed like you had to be in that world if you wanted to be a part of it. Um, and so I think for a long time, like, I kind of, like, como, yeah, como que lo soñaba, but then I would, like, yeah. let it go, and then, like, it was, like, that, like, dream that almost felt, like, too big of, like, oh, no, mm. like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this, um, and then, so I, how do you get into that world? Yeah. How did you get into it? I, um, I, I kind of kept going, you know, in, in college, I was, like, on, like, you know, the, the college newspaper, and then I feel like the, sort of the breakthrough, I got an internship at Washingtonian Magazine, um, which is, like, the, like, sort of the big uh, regional magazine in D.C. But wait, um, was it that you, like, how how do you even get there? How do you get an internship there? Did you, like, bump into someone? No, did you ask? I, apply, was there I applied ad? cold. I applied okay. cold. They had, okay. like, a, they did, they did, like, a fellowship every, every um, year. I think they still do it. Um, and it's a good internship if anybody out there is, like, it's paid. Uh, yeah. It's not, it doesn't pay a lot, but it, it pays. It's a good way to get your foot um, in the door, for sure. And I didn't think that I was going to get it again because I was, like, you know, I, I had, it was my first internship. I, all I really had done was, like, up until that point, like, school newspapers. Right. Um, and I remember, like, I had a phone call with one of the one of the editors, and I remember I was like so scared that I like started babbling, and like in my babbling, I found myself like pitching stories and being like, "I think we should do this, and I think we should do this," and and like in that she was like, "Oh, okay, like I think she's somebody that like might have good ideas, and like, she doesn't <laughs> have a lot of experience, but like let's try her." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, I think you know that 
that was like my first sort of experience with like magazine journalism especially which um then I decided pretty quickly that like within the world of journalism that's what I was most interested in and then when I was there I kept pitching music stories because like well that's what, what I, was I love ask. what <laughs> was it about music in particular that you loved writing about like, I just what? yeah I, I I just kept going there and I remember I had an editor at one point that was like you know you should really think about like something you know maybe more serious maybe you should try like immigration or something or something and I remember I took that and I was like oh my gosh does this mean that like music journalism like isn't like as serious what is right. what, what is that um and again like it, it, it went back to like that's what I was doing like when I was 15 I was going to right. shows I, this is the music that we were listening to in La Sala I felt like there was this connective tissue with music that like just subconsciously, I just kept reverting back to it and being like, I think we should write about this musician. I think we should write about this like concert that's coming up. So um, you always pitched the ideas and then wrote about it. And then I, and then it ended up just kind of being like what I had and I kept going back to it, even when I was like kind of considering like, should I be another kind of journalist? But I think what I've learned now, I think that feedback of like, you should do something more serious. Like I think writing about music and culture is like extremely serious. And Absolutely. like, I think like Absolutely. this is such a, incredible lens to like explore something that um is a different you know it, it gives you a lens into culture it gives you a lens into like politics it gives you a lens into social issues um it's both like a reflection of what's happening in the world it mm -hmm. reflects back what's happening in the world at the same time and it's like how people live and like that right. what more important you know medium or thing to talk about like mm -hmm. th this is like literally the thing that like unites people and and divides people and, and brings them together so why not um why not focus on yeah. that and how do you when you write these stories what is not necessarily your angle because every angle is different mm -hmm. for every artist but like what is the fascination behind the story? What it, what are you trying to, I guess, depict from mm -hmm. whatever the music is? Because music is a very layered mm -hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what is it that you're trying to bring out in order to, yeah. I guess, distribute to the world? Yeah. I think it depends on, like, who, who, we're, who we're talking about. But, like, I think trying to really understand, you know, if it's an artist, like, a, I think like what sometimes what the fascination is and like why they're important and why they matter in our culture and what they mean to people. Um, and I think sometimes like that answer is really complex because somebody yeah. can mean many, many different things mm -hmm. to lots of different people. I like to pretend sometimes like, you know, like if I'm writing, I'm like if like aliens like were to come into the world and this is the one thing that they would read about this person like I, I want to paint like an honest portrait of what that person was in mm. that time and like capture them like as best as I can um and so that means like writing about like the controversies that they were involved in mm. writing about you know the amazing things that they accomplished and like really really trying to like understand like why this person matters to us and mm. a lot of times because i am writing about um latinos and 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 musica latina a lot of times i think that says so much about our culture too like in terms of who we're gravitating to like why right. someone is important why someone means something to us mm -hmm. um and then you know if it's if it's not like specific to an artist if it's like a genre of music or if it's writing about like a song or a trend 
I think also just trying to understand it on those different levels that we talked about. Like, what does it mean politically? What does it mean socially? What does it mean, you know, like at a pop culture level? Yeah. You know, what I find interesting, and we're going to go back to your job. Um, We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But what I find interesting is the whole idea of the Latin explosion, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we had it in the past, and that's when, like, Ricky Martin, Mark Mm -hmm. Anthony, J-Lo, Enrique, like, everybody was out, but they all made English albums. Mm -hmm. They -hmm. all crossed over to the English side. Mm -hmm. Now the Latin explosion that we're having today that we're seeing and we're witnessing is people showing up as themselves. Tokisha, Mm -hmm. you see um, Rosalia, like they're not singing in English. Mm -hmm. They're showing up in Spanish, Bad Bunny, like Bad Bunny is not rapping in English. He is globally the number one artist and he's showing up as himself at all times. And I feel like that is the difference. But I wonder for you as someone that's writing about and also covering these stories, because you have covered Bad Bunny, Rosalia, you know, I wonder for you, what is your take on what we're now witnessing with, I guess, like the second wave of a Latin explosion? Yeah, I think for me, one thing that I always try to remember is like, I do think that we tend to talk about um, Latin music sort of like in these like boom and bust, like this is the boom right now, this is the boom. I think it's also important to recognize like this music is like always been popular like mm-hmm. it's always been lit it's always been part of you know what the fabric of american music like even right. if you go way back in the day and we talk about like how much you know there, there was this like amazing you know fusion of of latin sounds like in new york like when you know salsa musicians and like jazz musicians and everybody were playing together like this music has always been here and we've always had these icons that i think are a really really important part of what we think of an american mainstream i do think like one amazing thing is that like now you know people don't feel that need to cross over in the same way anymore like they don't feel the need to go back and make i don't know an album in english or to like really like learn english if we talk about shakira like shakira had like an amazing global career in spanish and like was known all over latin america and then when she got here like she really like focused on you know learning english and like she was gonna you know make this big crossover I think so much of that is also pressure from the industry. Like, I think that the people that she was working with, like, that was what they saw as, like, the path forward. They were like, this is what you have to do to get to that level. Mm -hmm. And I think that somewhere along the line, like, someone needed to challenge that and be like, maybe that's not what you have to do. Maybe you can still do it, like, not, you know, changing who you are. And I wonder, like, what would have happened, like, if, like, they had had that belief back then and like, you know, Shakira hadn't made songs in, in English or Ricky didn't, you know, like had you yeah. know just decided just to be an, an artist in Spanish. Like, I wonder if it was just like that, like industry pressure, of like thinking that you had to do that. Um, and I mean, it's worked out great for them. They've had amazing, amazing global careers. But I think it also like at the very least, maybe like inserted the question of like, is this the only way that like you have to you can be big and you have to cross over? And so I think. Now what we're seeing with Bad Bunny and 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 uh, you know Maluma or, or any of these artists that are refusing to to sing in in English is that like actually you you don't have to and I think no I think one big thing that helped too is that like we just have so many more ways of measuring success now like we can measure streaming numbers we can measure like views on YouTube to really mm-hmm. prove that like actually you can be successful just by doing the same thing and you don't right. need to cater to an anglo audience like there's yeah. plenty of you people around the globe yeah 
Like there's yeah. so many Latinos out there who are listening to this. And then I think that that like that same popularity is like caught on. We're like, like Bad Bunny says, like, ahora, like, todo mundo quiere ser Latino. Like mm -hmm. everybody is like now like catching on and like recognizing that this is like a global phenomenon and interested in it. Do you think he would ever like since we're speaking about Bad Bunny, do you think he would ever have to make an English album? I don't think he would have to. I think he might choose to. Who knows? Right. Um, we saw the Where She Goes had yeah. the title in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in English. But I do think um, I do think at the very least, like what this generation of artists has done is kind of at least like put that blueprint forth that like you don't have to if you don't want to like maybe you can change your mind on the line and like if you're feeling it you can do it but it's right. not necessary to become a major global star like now in the textbooks like there's going to be a chapter that's like actually like you can you know right. make the music in Spanish like you don't have to like whereas before it was like so much focusing on on the previous generation and, and the early 2000s of like how they crossed over and now it's like oh actually there's another way to do it. Even the language, I feel like, because we saw it in Selena, right? Like, she had to learn mm -hmm. Spanish. And it was, like, a big thing. Like, you must learn Spanish mm -hmm. or you will never be accepted. What are your thoughts on Latinos who are Latinos, but they don't speak Spanish? They don't speak the language. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many ways of being Latino. Like, it's such a complex mm -hmm. identity. And, like, I don't think that, like, necessarily it's the language that gives you you know a, a an entryway into your culture right i think that like you know th there's so many different ways of being latino yeah. there's not just one prescriptive thing that like makes you a latino or, or or not um i also think a lot about you know the reasons that maybe some people don't speak don't speak spanish it's like maybe their parents like you know really like i think there's some families where like it's like really important to like you know try to assimilate and then they like don't want their kids to be bullied and like right. there's such like a i think a stigma sometimes around speaking spanish in this country that's mm -hmm. really awful and unfortunate and i think parents do like whatever they can to like yeah. try to learn and 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 you know there's there's different reasons for it but it's not at all like it doesn't it doesn't really make who you are yeah, and I also feel like, too, like, music, it's its own language. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. music is a language, yeah. you know? Like, to me, music is, it's not Spanish, it's not English, it's just a feeling mm -hmm. for me. Exactly. Um, let's get into your Rolling Stone. How did you, because <laughs> that's, that's what we really want to know, how did you get into that? How was that? Yeah, like? so I, um, again, I think because cause we were talking about, because I kind of, like, question like should i be a journalist should i not da, da, da. i was mm -hmm. like on this like you know say um i uh did like different things you know like out of college and like once i started working like i worked in like email marketing and i was always freelancing on the side like i was always like writing at night and like kind of like holding on to that like little sliver of the yeah. dream of like you know maybe one day yeah um and then i feel like a lot of it changed um this editor, uh, writer, uh, this writer. Yeah. <laughs> the um, obstacles. No, I'm just joking. Um, at the Washington Post, Chris Richards uh, mm -hmm. asked me, uh, he, I was writing still at the time and I had like all these clips and he was like, do you want to cover um, sort of like the Latin music circuit? Like, do you want to go to shows at night and like write about them for the Washington Post? And I was like, so scared. And I was like, okay, I'll try. And I wrote like my first piece on spec, which basically means like you write it and they either 
publish it or they don't. It's like mm. sink or swim. They're like, either this is good or this is bad. Right. And so um, it got in the paper. And oh, then... I, was, I, I was like literally, on the, I'm like, so what happened? I'm like, no, did they, they scrap they, it? They okay. were super, super nice about it. They were like super encouraging. Um, okay. The editor over there, David Mallets, who's also someone who like really, really supported my career. Mm -hmm. um, so I was always freelancing, right? After that, I was like, okay. I was like, I've written for the Washington Post. I was like going to shows like every week and, and pitching stuff all the time. Um, and then um, I did a grad school program that got me to Germany, to Berlin. Oh, wow. And when I was, in, I was in Germany, I was in Berlin, I started freelancing even more because I was like, now I have like the time. Berlin is much more affordable than DC or New York. So you mm -hmm. can like, you know, kind of afford to like, yeah, uh, you you can just make a living much more as a freelancer, right? And so I think while it was while I was there is when I started freelancing for Rolling Stone. Um, I think I did like my first piece was like on like the Latin Grammys in like twenty twenty or something. I don't remember exactly when. Um, and I also just want to say that Rolling Stone did feel like. Um, I, I had written for all these places and again, like I always get like intimidated before, you know, um, but with Rolling Stone, like I did feel like there was like a sort of like a big guiding light there. And that was Susie mm. Exposito, who she had been um, the sort of the first Latin editor there. And she was she was writing about Latino music and yeah. and. She's the first Latina to ever write a Rolling Stone cover story. And, oh, and yeah. I just like thought that she was like such a badass. Um, and so, um, when the position opened up at Rolling Stone, like I had already been freelancing, I had already kind of like had a little bit of a foot in. Right. Um, and I started there as a writer and then got promoted about nine months in into an editor. How does that feel? Feels good. Um, and, it feels and, and intimidating. Also, like, what does it look, no, what does it look like? Like, is there a lot of us there? No, no. Um, I think there's been more recently. Okay. Um, I'm the only uh, female music editor there right now. Everybody else is a dude. Um, and I'm the only Latina editor uh, at the magazine. Um, there, I, there, we've hired, like, uh, there's uh, some writers now. There's uh, a couple, like, um, uh, videographers. Um, so it's it's growing, and I think it's grown more in the last in the last year. But I do think the thing about Rolling Stone, you know, it's a rock magazine. It mm -hmm. started in, in 1967 with, like, the intention of covering rock music with the same vigor and, and, and seriousness that you would cover politics. Mm -hmm. And so I think rock has traditionally been a very white genre, and so that's reflective of the people that have worked there over the years. Right. Um, I think it's not until recently, and, and, and I think Susie's a big part of that, like the path that she opened up, that they've really started to change um, sort of their, their attitude around, you know, Latin music and, and, and covering more global music. And so I really see my role as like taking that even further and being like, how can we do this in the best way? How can we get, you know, more people well, that's both in the ask. magazine and also yeah. like writing for us? Like, how do you expand? Like, what does expansion look like for you yeah. in your role? What does that look like? And how, how do you feel like you will open doors for others to come in? I think for me, the biggest thing is like getting more 
writers and more Latinas that mm -hmm. it can tell different kinds of stories. Because like I said, like the, the complicated, the beautiful thing and the complicated thing about this is that there's no like one way to tell a Latino story. There's no like one story that's like, right. this is the story of Latin music and this is like the genre we should be covering and the type of artists we should be covering. Um, we're talking about, you know, first of all, even Latin music itself, like that term is like such a difficult construct because you're talking about like, you know, hundreds of genres from like dozens of countries yeah. um, and you can't pigeonhole it into, into one thing. So it's like, how do we cast a wider net and really capture like what's happening both in the US and the diaspora in Latin America and tell those stories in the best way possible? Um, I really think that telling them the best way possible is to get diverse writers. And that means diverse, not just like she checks the Latina box, but like right. also a diverse, you know, group of, of Latino writers. And we've had, you know, I think for me, it's really, really important that we're also including a lot of stories about black, black Latinos and Afro Latinas. And mm -hmm. we've had, you know, like Catalina Eccleston, Reggaeton con la Gata, mm -hmm. who's written some incredible pieces for us. Um, Jenny Mota, who covers Dominican culture and has written, you know, some some fantastic pieces for us. So, like, to keep like pushing that and to keep, you know, bringing more people into into the fold because that's ultimately the only way to do it. I think. Yeah. How do you know what what story to cover? Like, how do you know who you want to target? Yeah. What 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 does that look like behind the scenes for you? Yeah, I think a lot of times it's. Um, I think it works in two different sort of levels. I think. We're covering people kind of at the mainstream level, and I think that's what Rolling Stone has traditionally been really good at. Mm -hmm. um, I think Rolling Stone gives you access to sort of the biggest stars of the moment, and that's what it's always done. You know, the it, sort of in the old days, like it was like John Lennon was on the cover, and they were at John Lennon's house for days, or Tina right. Turner, and they, you know, they were you know covering like behind the scenes of of, of her life. Um, so I think that like sort of the mainstream stars are always going to be part of, you know, the story that we're telling. Mm -hmm. But I think for me too, it's like behind the scenes, it's also like paying attention to who's coming up and like to really having like an eye on like who's going to blow up next and okay. like making sure that like we're kind of in the mix, like as those stories are happening. And so it could be like doing like a short piece on somebody, like an artist you need to know feature on someone that we think is going to make it right. big. Um, I'm thinking right now of this, this Dominican rapper named Jay Noah. I don't oh know my God. Her. I she's love not, Jay Noah. She's crazy. She's 17 years me? old. I like, love Jay Noah. She's crazy. She's like oh amazing. God. But like, again, like I think like traditionally yeah. at Rolling Stone, like they're like, Oh, well she's not bad bunny. She's not Carol G. Like we shouldn't, you know, oh. she's not ready to, we're not ready to cover her. She's but I think if you stick, you know, if you start yeah. telling that story from the beginning and then follow the, career path and like follow like the star that you know that she's gonna be yeah I think that just like you know tells like a more honest story and like also makes Rolling Stone reflect like what's really happening like mm -hmm. on you know the scene and in, in different countries <laughs> um take me through like a day-to-day -day at the job like if you're covering for instance when you covered Bad Bunny like yeah. what is that like how many days are you with him? Yeah. Are you just allowed to ask him whatever? Like, what does that look and feel <laughs> like? What is th what is that? Yeah. Um, the Bad Bunny cover. Um, so Bad Bunny was just our cover star for the July-August issue. Um, and that was a big moment. A, because it, it felt, like, nice to be able to, like, you know, Susie had had the first uh, – uh, she'd been the first Latina to write a cover story with Bad Bunny in, mm -hmm. uh, I think, 2020. 
Um, and that was like, it's still to this day, like my probably my favorite Rolling Stone cover ever, probably one of my favorite stories ever. Um, so to feel like three years later, like they still felt like we need to cover Bad Money to me spoke so much about where his career has gone, where like Latin music in general has gone. Mm -hmm. um, because like, you know, the people that we talk about like putting, you know, on a cover again, like that's always like a, it has to be someone like really big it's always like taylor swift or like, right. you know, someone like at that level and so the fact that like now bad bunny is like on that same scale of like yeah. this is the conversation that we're having um we do you know we we talk to their publicist beforehand just to make sure that like there's no other magazine coming out before or after just to kind of see like where they are in their career and what's going on um and that one was also really special because I got to be there right when he was playing Coachella. So oh, dope. we negotiated a bunch of time with their team of, in general, Rolling Stone covers. Like, I think the the thing that makes them so hard is that, like, you really have to, like, negotiate, like, no, we're going to spend time with this artist. Like, it isn't just, like, a, like, a one-hour dinner and then, like, you're done. Like, right. we plan, like, several, several days and several activities to, like, really be able to get behind the scenes and get to be able to tell the story of where they're at in their career at that particular moment. So with Bad Bunny, um, uh, we were backstage at Coachella, which was like a really amazing moment just to see like, you know, the first Latino mm -hmm. to ever headline in Coachella's 30 year history. So dope. Um, and then we met up with him like, I wanna say like four days later when he was shooting the video for Where She Goes mm -hmm. um, and got to spend kind of like the day with him kind of like on and off. Um, even though it was a really hectic day, he was shooting mm -hmm. like in the desert, there was like desert storms and he was like oh out there God. like trying to like, you know, look cool for this video. And it was just yeah. a really, really intense, he was like battling the elements. Um, and but do then, you just observe him? Are you asking questions? Yeah, so we, Are you... it's a little bit of both. Okay. Like I, you know, and I, and I think different people approach it a little bit differently. My way is to really like do like a lot of like observation, but in between, I think, I think that when we did where she goes, we probably talked like a total of like maybe like two and a half to three hours kind of broken up in mm -hmm. between. Um, and, but, but I think it also gives you so much context about a person too, to kind of like watch like who they keep in their circle right. to like talk a little bit. Like I remember I got like one really good anecdote about him from like, um, because we had to drive really far to shoot in the desert for this. There was one of his drivers that like took me to the site. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like talking to the driver and like trying to get stories, like <laughs> trying to like hear a little bit, like, yeah. um, and I feel like that stuff helps you so much just, just so it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the interview part is always the most intimidating. Cause like I said, I'm shy. And so I'm always like- How are you shy? <laughs> yeah. No, but that's but, dope. Yeah, but like, you're like a part of history at that moment, oh, you know? You. No, it's the thank truth. You. Like you cover that story that's history. And I think like Like do you ever look at it like that? Like what do you ever yeah. look at your life and say, "Wow, this is a major moment for me?" I don't feel like I I I feel like I look at it and I'm like, I can't believe that that happened. Like I'm always like um you know, like surprised by by the things that happen because it's like things that like i i didn't really like I, I was like saying like i was like almost too scared to like dream them or to like you know really be like this is what i'm gonna do yeah um but i think it really dawns on me and and makes me feel like i'm accomplishing something too when i talk to like younger journalists and they're like oh my gosh like i like want to like be doing this at some point like i feel like i can do it now and that's when you're like, okay, this is like, you know, it's like worth the headaches. It's worth yeah. like the, the fights for everything because like 
like I said, so much of why I was nervous about doing this and having this career was because I didn't know any Latina journalist. I didn't see anybody until, you know, very, very late in my 20s. And, and I think now that like if there's like younger people who want to do this, I'm and like, now they see you for it. And I'm and like, you should like... do it. Like you can do it. There's literally like no reason why well, there's no reason why you can't. Well, what are, what are some of the steps that they should take if they want to be, you know, maybe a Jalisa Lopez one day, you know? Like, <laughs> um, what would you recommend? What, what's some of the advice that you would give them? I think um, media is a really tough industry right now. And mm -hmm. I think I, I, I try to be honest about that without dissuading anybody because I also remember that there were a lot of people when I was, like, you know, talking about journalism. I remember I talked to this one guy who was, like, a reporter for the AP, and he was like – you should really be a nurse. Like journalism no is in the toilet. Way. Don't do it. And I think about that all the time. I'm like, what if I had listened to that and like had gone and done Thank something God. else? And like, Thank God you didn't listen. <laughs> Thank God. So I think too, like if it's something that you really want to do, like don't, you know, don't let other people tell you that you can't or don't get like Absolutely. scared by like, you know, the, you know, the, what might happen. Like just try it and, 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 and keep going for it. And I think also just really understanding, like, there is so much power in your experiences and your culture and your background that always gonna, is going to make you a better storyteller. Like, if you are somebody who you're a Latino and you have, like, a, a connection to your community, you're going to have that connection better than a white journalist who's trying to do the same thing. That's and right. I see that so many times where, like, I see people who have, like, great incredible ideas but like they're too scared because they're like I don't know like I don't know if I'm like ready and I'm like if you knew like the amount of like gringos who like really don't know what they're talking about who like mm -hmm. are like mm -hmm. out there and are like pitching and are writing like they know like you know this better than anyone like you know yeah. your culture better than anyone I always and you're say in the you need to space. have the audacity exactly have the audacity exactly I always tell girls too like because I, I find sometimes like some of the, the women journalists I talk to like they get nervous. I'm like, pitch like you're a mediocre white guy. Like, get <laughs> yes. out there and like and pitch just, like you know everything. Mm -hmm. And like, even like if you don't believe it. And like, I for a long time, like I didn't believe it either. But I was like still trying. And but there is a confidence in you. Like as we're speaking, I'm like there. Even though there was that little voice in your head that yeah. said no, 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 don't do it. There's something inside where you did believe in yourself. Yeah. I do feel like you were very confident in your ability to write and the story that you wanted to put out there so I wonder where does that come from like that confidence of like I'm gonna do it anyway regardless scared yeah. not nah, it doesn't matter um because you didn't stop you could have stopped I could have stopped yeah you could have stopped <laughs> um and I thought about stopping so many times yeah. um I think a lot of it too is like that drive that comes from like seeing like other people in your family who like struggled to like get you to places and it kind of makes you like almost like slap yourself a little bit and be like, okay, but like, why, why am I so scared? Like they've like made these like giant sacrifices to like come to this country to like fight and struggle here and to have like lives that sometimes are really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. And for what? So, so that I can shrink into myself and not be brave and not try. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, that was something that like, you know, it, it's been so important for me to like honor my parents' journey, honor like everything that they did to get here and to like keep trying even when I'm scared. And like, yeah. you know, like I, I wish I was one of those people who was like, you know, had like that natural like boldness yeah. and like didn't Me fit. Too. <laughs> but Me I too. don't, but I think, you know, but but you, you keep trying, I think sometimes because like you recognize that like there's people, you know, who, who made huge sacrifices 
and, and believe in you and like you you want something to come from all of that. How has motherhood changed you? Ooh, um, it's been, honestly, it's been like the best. Like yeah. I, I love being a mom. Um, and, and to be like 100% honest, I was really, really ambivalent about being a mom. I was really nervous about it. I was really apprehensive. I didn't know if I wanted to be a mom. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing now is just like, you feel so divided with your time. Like you want to do amazing work and like have, you know, this career and, and accomplish all these things. And then you want to spend all your time with your baby. Yeah. <laughs> too. yeah. So it's like that boundary that you need to set, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I do feel like it's like another, um, it's, you, I feel like it, it comes in more, I think for me on like the writer side, like I do feel like, um, motherhood has just made me, um, think in a different way like it there's almost something about it that like when you're like kind of seeing the world again through your child's eyes it reminds you of things that like maybe you haven't thought about in a while mm -hmm. it like reframes um I think the way that you see the world and I think makes you creative in a different way like mm -hmm. it makes you tap into things that like you kind of forgot about sometimes to like be around little kids yeah um so I think it's been incredible my, my yeah. two-year-old is like the cutest and um and he's also super into music, which I've been I like, was just about to ask that, like, are you seeing any signs of yes. like I, I'll show you videos after yeah. this, but like he um he's obsessed with guitars. Um and um I play guitar terribly. I'm like the worst guitar <laughs> player ever. But I like so play where is it for he getting him. This so from? I don't know. Like he he's just like gravitated. We've we've always had like guitars in my house. Um and but he just picked it up and said, he okay. picks it up, he sings, he sing, he'll sing you Baba Black Sheep on one string. Nice. And, <laughs> Um, he's really, really interested in music. And I think too, like that's almost like, it can be so hard, I think in this industry because you're going in day in and day out. And like, sometimes you feel like crushed by the volume and by the pressure of it and how much there is. And then there's something I think like when you see like the music your kid is connecting to that yeah. like makes it kind of like new and innocent again. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that part of motherhood has been really, really helpful. What do you think is the most I guess, valuable lesson that he has taught you? I think, I think that like, kind of like see the world and like have that sort of, um, I don't know, to, to, to kind of like, kind of snap my fingers and like have like a sense of like newness again, yeah. because like he's experiencing it for the world for the first time. And so I think it can be so easy to just kind of like, I don't know, feel like a little bit jaded sometimes. Like you're like, okay, I've been doing this a while now. Like I know everything. Yeah. And then when you're with a two year old, you're like, actually like. He's excited. He's excited and, he's and like, it's yeah. contagious. The right? way you he's feel like that processing the music is different. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> I'm always like, do I want kids? Do I want kids? And then I'm like, no, I think I want a kid. Because yeah. every time I speak to moms, they're like, no, it's the best. I've never. By the way, I've never heard a mom that said this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> I've I haven't heard that yet, yeah. but I think it's okay. Like there's I yeah. think I think that like you should mom should also have the space. Like it, it it's hard. Like it's a big big challenge. Yeah. Like it's hard to like it's permanent. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah, you can't tap out. No. Once you're there, <laughs> you're, you're there. It's like you're, this is your child for life.
Um, I wonder how much of the culture, though, are you like showing him? How oh, much is so he exposed much, to? So much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I try to only speak to him in Spanish. And nice. then when, you know, he's with he's with my family. He only speaks in Spanish. Um, he has a bad money impression. Ooh, <laughs> we got to see that. We got to see that. Um, and so I, pl I play him like a ton of the music and like we're doing like little like pasitos, like to learn like salsa. Like he's and he like stomps around. He's um, ready. So it, it, it's like a huge part of me, too. And. You know, I, I, I want to take, I grew up going back and forth between the U.S. and Nicaragua. Um, Nicaragua is a really complicated country right now, but um, I'm hoping that, like, I can take him and have that be a part of his life, too. Like, it's yeah. it's huge to me, so. I yeah. love that for you. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank and I know you, you got to pick him up, so I'm, like, I'm trying to, like, no, you're go good. through <laughs> it, but I'm, like, wait, I don't want to rush this. Hold on. Um I wanted to ask you the trends and the developments that you, you are seeing going on specifically in the digital world mm -hmm. as it pertains to music. What are some of the impacts uh, that you feel it will have globally mm. on us? Like with some of the trends that you're seeing like behind the scene? Yeah, I think um, some of them worry me uh, really? a little bit, to be honest. I think some of the you know, some of the, the like developments the AI we've stuff? seen in AI, yeah. I get really worried. I worry about the way that we're compensating songwriters. I worry about the way that we're compensating um, other musicians who've traditionally had like, you know, roles, you know, like in, in like bigger backup bands. Um, some of it is is super interesting and I think is gonna mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I think that having more access to music at the end of the day is, is a good thing. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. so much about like, um, I don't know, j just like if you think about like different genres or different countries where like, kids have like found like a laptop and like use that to like get their message across in a way that maybe traditionally they couldn't have before and like all of a sudden like they're able to voice like their experiences and you're seeing that in different parts of the world and in different parts of latin america um where like you know maybe before to like i don't know because of how stodgy the latin music industry has maybe before like you needed to be like a trained musician like a trumpet player from right. like a richer country and now it's like if you have a laptop and you have You're a mic and you can and you have something to say and you have a perspective like I feel like it um democratizes the world in a in a much healthier way and like also uh makes us pay attention to different parts of the world too like I'm, I'm really excited by like different scenes that I see developing and and places that you know traditionally the Latin music industry hasn't really paid attention to. I think everything that happens is happening in the Dominican Republic is incredible. There's so many indie artists making like cool, great music. Mm -hmm. um, and I see and they're so in. ahead of their time, by the way. Yeah. When I go to DR and PR, I'm like, something that comes out here, I'm like, I heard that already. Yeah. Like I already heard that. Like we're so advanced over there that just the music and everything, it's like, I don't know. I guess they fill it out first, see how it's yeah. going and then bring it over here. But well, I feel like they have such a connection too of like, you know, like there, there is something a little bit frustrating, right? About how, like, I think uh, sometimes mainstream artists or like the industry is always paying attention to what's happening in the underground and like mm -hmm. using that and picking at that for ideas, Correct. because it gives them a cool factor, because it like makes them more interesting. And then you have people who think that like these big artists are the ones that like came up with this yeah. idea. But really, if you like look at it, like yeah. there's like these kids like in the underground who are doing it first and. I think the reason that it comes across so cool and so genuine is because like 
they don't have the pressures of the industry. They're not doing this for like capitalist means or to like. It's just for sell. them. They're doing it because they feel it. And so yeah. it's, it's like a different thing of like they connect to it differently. And so I think that's like that's also like it's a double edged sword, right? Because like I feel like we need to be doing more to support that kind of art and the artists who aren't like tied to a label and like supporting our indie artists because they just have like a better <laughs> like uh feeling of things sometimes it's like raw it's very authentic mm -hmm. exactly. i would say it's like the b-side of the tape yeah. you know <laughs> um i know you spoke about jay noah but who else do you have your eye on now right now like um, who do you think is gonna like you had to give like your predictions here on growing up latina <laughs> We did a big piece that I was really excited about um, a couple months back where we got um, sort of all the women in Puerto Rico who are making noise right now and put them all together in a spread. I think it's the longest spread that we've ever done um, sort of like with women in Latin music at Rolling Stone. And we had Viano Antiano, we had uh, Young Miko, Reynao, um, Cheska, and Pau Pau. I think any of those five, I would bet my money on. Bao Bao, I think, is so cool. Yeah. Like, she has such a cool vibe. Um, and it's, like, a little bit different, I think, than to, to what we've seen. Um, I think uh, in the Dominican Republic, like, Angel Dior, I think he's, like, a freaking genius. I think he's going to blow up. Um, I think, yeah, there's – and then I'm excited, too, for, like, this this wave of, of – kids making musica mexicana like they're mm -hmm. so young yeah um i was at the i was at prospect park the other day with my two-year-old mm -hmm. and i saw this kid playing a 12-string guitar and he had on his phone like a um a video um it was like junior age or or somebody and he was like learning like how to play like in the park like it's a 12-string guitar yeah, like, like it's not <laughs> it's, it's so hard yeah um and so I think there's like uh, so many young artists, I think, who are really connecting with that. Um, and I'm especially seeing it like in the U.S. too, of like these like younger bands. I just saw this band called Los Aptos the other mm -hmm. day at a at a club around here where it's also like super young kids who are mixing like Mexican music and like alternative rock. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that fusion is going to keep like producing things that are like interesting and a little bit different. What trends are you going to see die down? Like what do you think is going to... Mm, this one's controversial. You're trying to get me in trouble. I'm um, not. I <laughs> promise I'm not. I do think that um, there was like that big wave of like papetong, reggaeton pop. Mm -hmm. I feel like people are kind of itching for something new. I think like maybe the stuff that you saw. Oh, do I want to say names? I think maybe the stuff that you saw like artists like Jay Balvin doing, like mm -hmm. that sort of like big pop, but it still kind of has like a little bit of a dembo beat. Mm -hmm. I think people are kind of like itching for like the the other side of that and like okay. wanting something else. Um, I feel like there there's like almost this like need to go back a little bit to like sort of old school reggaeton and like changing the beat up and making it a little less pop. But on that same token, I also see a lot of artists coming up who like really want to do more traditional pop and like mm -hmm. want to do more like sort of like you know like are inspired by like the 90s and like inspired by yeah. what's happening like it's i think it's coming of, back it is have you do you know this girl gale from puerto rico no i'm not familiar. she put out an album that's so much fun it's like um i think like shakira posted about it on her, really? on her ig stories and we did a piece about her and it's got that like 
um, there's there's like a couple songs that almost have this like '90s pop rock sound, and I I feel like it's so cool to see somebody doing that. I in had Spanish. to check her out. Yeah, I'll send it she's here. she's young. Mm-hmm. She's super young. I want to say she's like 24 or something like that. Love that. Um, from Puerto Rico and now living in Miami. So love that. There's a lot happening. I mean, that's the that's there's the beauty so of this job. Like, you don't get tired of like just how many people are out there doing like amazing creative interesting things the, the the downside is that you're never going to be able to cover it all but like yeah. the the stories are there and 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 I think too to think about like how this reflects like not just who they are but like where they come from and their experiences like that's that's the exciting part to me who I don't even know if you can say this but I'm going to shoot my shot here <laughs> who's going to have like the next cover that, oh. that we can maybe you could just drop like a letter or something I can't say we're working on a cover right okay. now. It is. I'm like, I'm just going to shoot my shot I'll say, here. I'll say this. It's okay. a, it, and it'll probably, yeah. It's a Latina artist who's had Ooh. a very big year. Um, okay. And that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel so. like I want to drop names, but then I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be like, yeah, no. You're going to tell me after. You'll, you'll let you me after. know after. I'll tell you after. <laughs> all right. Let's do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Um, uh, <laughs> um, what do people typically say for this? <laughs> Everybody has a different answer. People have facial expressions. People just have one word. People, it's so. It's, I think my, because I'm from Nicaragua, I feel like mine is gallo pinto. Okay. It's like, do you know what gallo pinto what is? What is that? It's like rice and beans, but oh. for some reason we call it gallo pinto. Like, really? um, yeah, but okay. I feel like that's like the comfort food of like that's just like what I'm I need to try that. that day. <laughs> yeah, I need to try it. Okay, um, what does it mean to you to be Latina? Um, I feel like it's like an endless like source of pride. Like I, it, it, um, it's like an endless like fountain. I feel like of of pride and creativity uh, and connection to roots that are way deep down and and generations and generations that came before. Okay. What is this chapter of your life called? Mm. Um, I know. I know. I think, <laughs> ooh, this one's hard. Um, Oliver, I think, because it's my son. Like, this is like the, Stop the, it. That's the, so the cute. Oliver years. <laughs> That's so cute. Okay, I love that answer. Um, what is something you would want to work on that you haven't already? Um... I really want to do a piece on like old school salsa legends. Like I want to, I feel like um, salsa is just a genre that's really important to me. I feel like we have like Eddie Palmieri. I feel like we have like so many artists uh, that are getting up there in age. I want to make sure that people get their flowers before they pass so that it's not like always like an obituary and looking yeah. at them in the rear view. Like I want to make sure people know that like, we love their contributions to music while they're still alive. So, okay, if you could have the Last Supper with three Latinas, <gasps> I know it could be anyone, anyone. Okay, um, who would it be? <laughs> Just three. Okay. And what um, food are you eating, by the way? Because I really want to know. We're eating gallo pinto. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I would want to do Shakira is a big one for me. I'm like super inspired by her music. Um. Shakira, Cardi, because I feel like she'd like bring the party. Right, Cardi. <laughs> we gonna bring the baby. <laughs> that man too. Yes. Um, 
And... That Shakira, you got Cardi. I know. I feel like now I need to keep them all in music. Okay. Um, let's bring Jay Noah into it. Let's bring somebody <laughs> young and cool. <laughs> Yo, I'm so coming to that dinner. I'm so coming to that dinner. Um, okay, finish this sentence. Okay. Growing up Latina is... Uh, difficult sometimes, uh, but uh, something that I would never change. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Thank on this you. show, Jalisa Lopez. We everybody, <laughs> we did it. We despite did it. all the challenges, <laughs> despite the obstacles, we did it. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Oh, drop your okay. Instagram. Let everybody oh, it's, know. Um, it's uh, Julisa underscore Raquel. It's the same on Instagram and on X, whatever the yes. F it's called. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much.